releases don't actually matter anymore, do they? Yeah, not particularly. I would, like, I'd, I would, I would argue no. The year of 2020, nothing but digital matters. I would agree. Like your paper cards mean nothing to you. I keep buying them though. Yeah, but like in anticipation is, that I might use them. You just like it's just you're clinging on to a dead dream of maybe playing Magic and Paper someday. Oh uh, yeah, a boy can dream, man. <laughs> It's like that fucking grandma meme where she's like in with a stretcher. Oh, I it's like, okay, it grandma. Not just the gathering in paper. <laughs> Shut up, grandma. You old bitch. Oh, some of those are some of those memes are incredible. We are living one of those memes right now. Just talking about paper cards like they actually fucking matter or exist. Back in 2019, I remember playing with we're human beings in person. Feels like it's been forever since we played in person. Yeah, shut up. Even Raymond. even us together. No, yeah, we haven't even touched paper magic cards in a very long time. Because magic I, Island, I, what nickel yeah, game? Yeah, yeah, of course, true. That is the the way to play Magic the Gathering in 2020. Is wood nickel? I don't even care what format <laughs> you're playing. Just... Premier new format. That's actually what they're announcing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's the banned restriction. They're banning all other formats. <laughs> the only format is Wood Nickel. So are we just recording everything and then you're going to cut out the dumb shit where I ask dumb questions like this? Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. All right. Well, except okay. for this one right now. Except, okay, I'm not yeah. cutting out that dumb question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is the first time I've been on the podcast. What is up, you two two Drake creature tokens? Welcome back to another episode of the Fetch and Shock podcast i am your host a turn one modal double-faced land tyler and joining me a very special guest a pack one pick one mesa Lynx, austin austin what is going on dude not too much uh here to enjoy the ride now austin like previous guests of the podcast uh you don't have your own podcast or your own youtube thing you're not of any kind of magic fame why are you here because you happen to be friends with me, and we play Magic together. Oh, yeah, that's right. You So having you on, you are completing the circle. We had I Zach mean, and Rupert. Now you're in. I've collected really all of the legendary Pokemon. We're the Exodia of MTG. The Exodia. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking legendary Pokemon or, like, the Power Rangers. When they, like, get together and they, like, like morph. I guess that's what Power Rangers do is morph. I mean, or the Voltron. Voltron's a good one, too. There's a fucking thousand things, oh, but yeah, I'm completing I'm completing my collection of Voltron trading cards with having you on the podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, I'm glad we finally had the stars aligned to where I can uh, record. Yeah, where you're not too busy, you know, like saving human lives and shit. I mean, that's definitely debatable. <laughs> so, Austin, tell the folks at home a little bit about your origins in magic. Uh, well, it goes back to uh, our friend Zachary, who has obviously appeared on the podcast, I believe, twice now. Uh, he, we were at his uh, humble abode one day, and he was like, you want to rock some out some magic cards? And being a nerd that I was growing up, you know, I was, I was, my interest was piqued because what nerd doesn't love collecting expensive cardboard? That's so true. At that, at that point, we jumped in the, uh, I'm not sure if he had the Buick at that point, but I'm pretty sure that's what we were rocking. Oh my well, god, the fucking 92 <laughs> Champagne Gold Buick Century. Holy fuck. Shout out. Vehicle. So we hopped in that boy, took it straight to Walmart, because, you know, that's where everyone goes to buy their magic cards, uh, and bought me a fat pack of the best set ever printed, uh, Dragon's Man, if you could believe that. Yeah, it had just released, and we were like, you know what, this is the newest set, you know, we don't know anything about this, let's just roll with it. 
And at that point, it just became a uh, overnight hit with our friend group, basically. I can't, I can't believe how many times I've told this fucking story. But it was just like you, myself, and like three of our very, very close friends. Just like out of nowhere, just being like, ah, fucking, I guess we'll do this. I mean, and look at us now, nearly, what, over 10 years now, basically. I would say, I think it's been eight years. Eight? Yeah, exactly. Because it was the year after we graduated, and next year is our 10-year anniversary of graduating high school. Yes, I believe, yeah. Yeah, math checks out. We're getting old, bud. Oh, yeah, 2011, then 2021, that's 10. Your boy can fucking count. Math isn't only for blockers, turns out. (laughs) <laughs> math is only for blockers okay dragon's maze was may 3rd 2013 so yeah definitely 2012 is whenever so That's yeah when eight years getting nasty yeah because yeah. i couldn't even i was i don't even know what i was thinking i was like 40 dollars for this fat pack it's a lot of money for cardboard and now i look at my collection and i'm just like oh <laughs> i could throw up <laughs> yeah you would like your and i don't drag. even and i don't even have many expensive cards no but i mean you do have four lines of diamonds for dredge so like that's a real thing but that's actually that's a good transition into now that we're we no longer are in like 2012 yeah now we're in 2020 what formats are you playing now compared to just the kitchen table bullshit that we used to fuck around with um obviously shout out to wooden nickel gang uh rise up uh Outside of that, I haven't been playing too terribly much. I have been enjoying uh, group drafts with our uh, mutual friend Bubba, and obviously with you. Uh, however, um, haven't been playing too much of the uh, legacy format or the modern format online or in paper. Uh, well, paper's obviously to... pretty hard yeah. to get into right now. Like jamming games of paper is just like uh, essentially impossible unless you have like a close knit friend group. But like, yeah. I'm sure you and I you know, living like minutes apart from each other, we could like come together and just play a couple games of legacy, but it's just more fun in an environment where you have a bunch of people. Yeah, I do definitely like the uh, group effort, especially when you're playing something like legacy, because you generally have a pretty diverse group of decks to play against whenever you get any amount of people in, a, in the same room. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, same with modern. Uh yeah, I feel like we haven't been deep into modern for quite a minute. I know, especially you and I, because I feel like if we're going to talk about our friend group, I know we I've I've obviously had podcasts with Zach and Rupert before, and I've mentioned kind of our dynamic. But you and I were kind of the two that broke out. Oh, yeah. Really pursued like competitive formats in a very serious way. Like Zach built eight rack in modern and that's been his deck for uh, again, like close to eight, 10 years now. But you and I, we did the whole, like try a bunch of different decks in modern, like do a bunch of crazy shit. I dove into legacy. And then like a year later, you dove into legacy. We've always been on like that slightly more competitive side of that. Yeah, I definitely do as much as I love limited formats and commander being constructed, but I do love dipping my toes into some real competitive play with modern and legacy. And I remember finally going all in on buying my first modern deck, uh, getting Merfolk. Fishy boys. You are almost solely responsible for my hatred of the card spreading seed. Like I can think of like multiple cards in my magic career that I can link back to either loving or hating because of you specific. <laughs> I mean, I do what I can. Spreading Seas is obnoxious to play against, and it Fucking does blow Christ people out. 
it could it can still does it to this day just, but i just remember like back whenever i was trying to drop that money on aether vials i was just like these are like 19 dollars to 20 dollars a piece right now this is the most money i've ever spent on magic the gathering buying a place at aether vials and now that just that just seems like like chunky. i'm looking at the looking at the price right now is like i could just buy four of right now and it wouldn't even it wouldn't even phase me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is amazing but, how like your perspective of card prices evolves over your your length of time playing this game. Like you said, when you like the very first day one, you looked at a forty dollar box of cards and you're like, "That's fucking." And you look at now, like almost a decade later, you look at a forty dollar card and you're like. I mean, yeah, I probably could use four of those. I mean, at least one for Commander, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so wild. Like, our perspectives just skewed so hard. Yeah, it really is crazy how much that changes. Like, going from looking at... I remember spending $8 for a Goblin Guide, thinking that was wild. And now, like, just the other day, I was perusing eBay for revised duels. Like, <laughs> where does where does the world go? <laughs> no, it goes to fucking shit. It, that's where it goes to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> oh, yeah. 2020 is definitely Magical been the year. That. Yeah, in the year of Woodnick, which is like I, just like another crazy, weird financial dichotomy that we found ourselves in, where which you and I both have paper <laughs> legacy decks, and our current favorite format is a format where an entire deck costs at most five dollars. Five dollars, which is which so, I have been enjoying incredibly much Plus i'm really hoping... show, like you don't need to spend a shitload of money to have a fucking blast playing magic no you do not especially when it's online oh hell yeah you know what dude speaking of online there is something that has happened this past week particularly online that i am very excited about. and that and what is that you uh you alluded to it a little bit earlier but man this zendikar limited format is actually pretty fucking fun i really like zendikar rising yeah i i do have a soft spot for landfall it is just such a sweet mechanic and i have been enjoying it in the limited format as well just so many cards have it and it's just it's just like it feels good every time you play a land and you get more than just playing a land yo yeah we kind of touched on that a little bit last week when we were talking about the mechanics me and rupert that landfall for limited makes your turn 10 land that you drew where you don't have any other cards on hand and you didn't need another land feel significantly less bad and anything that can eliminate the oh this feels bad thing is so positive especially for a limited format yeah i mean definitely i mean there is obviously a lot of bad feelings in magic the gathering but top decking land when you just were hoping for gasoline uh that has to be number one bad like worst feeling i mean it's definitely in the top three but I would having say that's that... the worst feeling thing that you have no control over that your opponent didn't do to you. Fair. I, it's yeah, just the randomness is... of it. Yeah. Thanks, very Having that having that little bit of that little bit of sweetness come out of the landfall trigger, even if it's just something little, does make that land hurt just a little bit less. If not a lot, depending on your landfall trigger. Oh I my mean, god. It... Like I, I have been in games already, and I probably did ten to fifteen drafts of this format. And I have been in situations where it is turn like seven or eight, and I'm not hoping for a spell off the top of my library. I'm just like, fucking please, for the love of God, let this be a four or a planes <laughs> or something. Like, I just need that extra land to trigger all of my things, and then I have a lethal. That is such a cool feeling. 
And then it's like, it's, it's a land and then you win or it's a spell and you're like, Oh, this is actually pretty good here too. This might work out. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So let the people know I am already familiar with your limited experience for this format. Cause I have been there for all of it, but let yes, the people know what experience you have had with this limited format. Well, we had that incredible, it was a seven, one run with uh Bubba piloting the other day. That was uh, our, very for i mean i don't know about you i'm pretty sure was it was all right out of the of gate us, that was our first was, go at it that was day of release correct that, that was, was release day because there yeah. was we were battling the hardest matchup in this format so far has been arena itself like there is not a single opponent out there that can get me as bad as the arena client like somehow the arena client is run on like an iphone 2 <laughs> so it's just a pile of shit yeah, I've been noticing a lot of waiting for server, a lot of that kind of... Oh, the black screen of death, where it's just yeah. like, oh, cool. Like, I was halfway through a draft before, and I got black screened, came back, and Arena just finished my draft for me. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks, Arena. I have a, like, maybe quarter playable deck. I would definitely be writing a, a uh, strongly worded strongly email worded to Wizards. <laughs> it's like, you better give me back my gems so I can redraft and throw this pile of garbage straight into the endless void that is the interwebs. Yep. No, just, yeah, throw it out there and eventually nobody will catch it. <laughs> <laughs> if a magic deck falls in the woods and nobody hears it, did it make a sound? <laughs> if it's all, it's all forests. <laughs> it's just 60 forests. <laughs> That's the tree falling in you the got, woods. You got to do your part for the environment. Yeah, for every magic card that you purchase, wizards will plant one forest in the wild. And they just have some <laughs> fucking nameless, payless intern just out there with a stack of base digging holes. <laughs> just all sweaty. Just like just like when he's playing. Oh. And the fucking Amazon and their panthers stalking him. He's just like, got to plant another 40,000 forests for the 40,000 packs that were sold last minute. Fuck. Oh, I, I see a lot of this set being sold. Speaking of selling lots of packs last minute, Expeditions oh, yeah. I are just going to... Is that is that enough right there just to sell this set? I don't think so because of the way that they're being distributed. I, it's more of like the premium packs get those. Yeah. But, which... I mean, I, again, I don't see there being an issue with this set selling in, I guess, the way that they're expecting it to sell. They can't have this like grandiose notion that this set is going to sell really, really well because we're in 2020. Like it's the full blown pandemic right now, at least, especially in America. Like we're, everything's still pretty shut down here. You can't yeah. just go and buy a box of cards like willy nilly. You can't just like walk up to a place and buy cards and not because like shops aren't open either. Distribution is getting hit pretty heavily too. I've been seeing a bunch of people not, or be like worried about getting actual product. I don't know too much about the magic distribution, obviously, because I don't, I haven't been to a shop in most, the majority of all of 2020. However, I can definitely see that being an issue. I don't know where magic prints their cards. I'm going to assume not America. So, yeah, that could definitely uh, put a large impact on boxes being printed and, and shipped, especially if it's oh, coming absolutely. overseas. Shipping is definitely slow for a lot of things right now. For sure. But yeah, so our limited experience for Zendikar Rising, our first go at it, we drafted which I have come to believe is the best deck in the format, if you if you have the cards for it. We drafted the blue-green kicker deck, right? Yes, we did. And we had we missed out on a lot of decent picks, too. And that deck still ended up being incredibly strong. Yeah, because we didn't know whether we were going to be... Uh, I 
we had black in there at some point because we were seeing some decent removal. And then we just like got super paid off for being blue green. But there are just some disgusting cards in this set for that for that exact archetype. Like into the Royals might be the best common in the set. Yeah, it's I, so gross. Actually looking at it right now. Into the Royals is nuts. Bubble Snare is an incredible card, not just in that deck, but in any blue deck. Cunning Geyser Mage is one of my front runners for favorite card for limited in, the, in this set because people don't seem to be respecting that card at all. And I think that card is very, very good. Like you're never going to pack one pick one that card. But like when you see that card, like seventh or eighth pick pack one, that should genuinely be a signal that blue is going to be open. Oh, that card 100%. is nuts. Yeah, like, it's incredible. Six mana for a mana war seems yeah. like a lot. But when you take into consideration that you can just play it for three mana as a three, two, it has a very relevant creature type wizard and it sure can does. trigger all of the kicker nonsense that is going on. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Party mechanic. Uh, definitely uh, party on Garth. Uh, yeah, party on Wayne. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, wizard, definitely uh very relevant subtype. And the I definitely agree. Six mana to have that ability plus the 3-2 body is incredibly versatile, especially coming out just as the 3-2 on turn three isn't a bad play if that's what you got. Absolutely. Uh, blue overall, I think, is just... The common slot especially just has a lot of great cards. It's stacked up. But I think there are a lot of really good commons in this set for limited. And like that's across the spectrum, which is you don't really see that too, too often. Like you can build a deck that is primarily commons and your commons are going to be some of the best cards in your deck, which is so great for this format. Like white has Nahiri's binding and you can pick those up and just be totally fine. Because some of even like the cards that would be crappy normally, because they have those relevant creature types like cleric, wizard, warrior, all all of those cards get bumped up a notch. Like normally a uh, core celebrant, it's the one, four for three mana, two and a white. And then whenever it or another creature enters the battlefield, you gain a life. Normally that card would be just like awful in most formats. In this format, that card is very powerful in the right deck oh yeah if you're going all in on the the party i mean he gets your life every time another party member joins the, and he counts for himself and he's a one four body which isn't nothing they'll shake your head at no absolutely not hey okay so let's let's talk about some of the archetypes in this format too because you were mentioning like the party thing i have kind of divided this up into there's like there's the party decks which is almost every single color there's the landfall decks, which are pretty much only green based with an addition of white or an addition of red. And then the kicker deck, which is almost exclusively blue green. There is like, I guess, the plus one plus one counters deck, which is Golgari, the, the green black deck. But I don't think I've ever seen that deck built. I certainly haven't built it well enough for that to be like really great unless there's just a dumb rare. I don't know if there's enough support for it generally for that to be a good archetype. Yeah, you definitely have to have some pretty all-star uncommons to make that to make a the uh, counters deck work. But party is just so perfectly built into this format because it has obviously the four different creature types, like the cleric, warrior, wizard, rogue, and you can have all of those in one deck and make a cohesive like party style deck. But each of those creature types 
has their own sub archetype, which is the coolest part. Like, so it fulfills tribal. It scratches that tribal itch without being so focused on like, oh, this is the Lord that gives all of your clerics plus one plus one. This is the thing that draws you a card every time you play a wizard. It does it in such a cool way where it's so more broad than just being like, I need to have only wizards. I need to have only clerics. I need to have only warriors. It's perfect. Yeah, I definitely like the tribal support. It honestly, it lets you delve just out of the normal sub, like the normal type, like human, angel, uh, which definitely, I I love the flavor uh, that you can get when you're forming your squad. Oh, hell yeah. And, And the synergies just are all over across the board uh, with the party mechanic. Yeah, like you have the white black deck, which is focused on clerics, which is very, very good, like a life gain cleric deck. You have the red white, which is pretty much focused on warriors. You have the black blue, which is focused on rogues. And then you have the blue red, which is focused on wizards. Yes. And yeah, those, the color combinations are, they work well together. I mean, some of those, I mean, we saw some obvious examples, the, uh, Equipment that gives your creature menace. Oh, oh, yeah. That thing was brutal. You're talking about the... Uh, I'm having a hard time. Ravenger's Mace. Yes. Yeah, that's the one black red that whenever it enters the battlefield, you can attach it to a creature. And it gives a plus one, plus one, or plus one, plus oh, for each creature in your party. And it gets menace. That card is gross. Yeah, especially that it comes out for three mana and you get to attach it. I know you and uh, Roop actually touched on how playable these equipments become when they immediately make an impact when they hit the board if yeah. their equip cost is high like if you're playing that and equipping on the same turn like that's seven mana that's in two red and two black like that's pretty, that makes that card bad yeah that's i mean that would be completely unplayable basically especially at uncommon but when you just get to pay three mana for it and it almost acts like an instant where it gives your your creature a plus like three plus O in Menace, but then it just sticks around. That is so good. Yeah, and Menace turned out to be quite a difficult mechanic to play against, depending on the deck. Because I know when we played that deck, our, we had about 13 creatures, I think, which is just a touch light. Uh, I don't think it was bad, but we were definitely struggling against the Menace factor. Oh, yeah, we were playing, like, that was one of those drafts that we did together, where... Which, if people don't do this, I highly recommend this. Going on Discord, one person just streams a draft and the other person just kind of sits in. And then you guys draft the deck together and play the games together. It is not only a like incredibly fun experience, but just having somebody else in your ear, like being able to like give opinions on plays, give opinions on picks, and you guys just making more educated decisions is such a cool time. Yeah, that was that is very fun time indeed. Uh, I'm glad we have been doing that. I think that's something we should definitely continue to do in the future, because uh, obviously oh, sure. drafting does cost some amount of money unless you're an MTG Arena grinder and you have endless gold. But that is not me. <laughs> you know, certainly not me either. I only use Arena for drafts, so <laughs> I, I am not sitting there doing like a jamming historic games or jamming standard games because I think that that's more. Yeah, I don't. I think there's occasions where I would like to jam some games if I had the wild cards to support building some of those decks. I just don't play Arena enough to do that. Because uh, I do like to watch our friend Bubba play some standard and historic on occasion because he is a heavy grinder. And oh, he yeah. Has, he has 
everything were standard and or historic, basically, because he's been playing arena since its inception. So that is definitely enjoyable. I just I don't have the patience or just like that inner will in me to be the arena grinder guy. Like I just I I will play a deck if I have wild cards, I will build a deck. I will play it and then I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm done with this. And then I won't have any wild cards. I won't have anything else. And I'm just like, okay, well, this is where my constructed journey ends. This happened with last standard when I was playing the uh, cycling deck. Like I built the cycling deck. I was like, this is super fun. Played it for a week and then was totally off it. And then I just didn't have anything to show for it. Yeah, there's definitely uh, a line that can be crossed when you've played the deck like too much. Like obviously in paper, you don't feel that as much because opportunities to play paper don't i mean especially right now don't happen all the time like i would love to get out there and play dredge every single week maybe you know on paper with friends or at friday night but playing but jamming the same deck continuously on arena and on and even on mtgo that's why i don't i mean i have the cards to play dredge online but i rarely if ever do play online which i know is bad for my overall practice and compiling the deck but i just I don't want it to ever feel stale, which I don't yeah, think there it is will. That fatigue that you get yeah. after being able to jam games like infinitely until the end of time. And when that fatigue hits, it's hard to shake that off. Yeah, I don't ever want to have that. I, I mean, with standard, it's not as bad because that metagame does change quite regularly. Historic, it's kind of opened up on that. I'm actually looking at the mono blue tempo deck that I uh, really enjoyed back when it was in standard. Uh, that would have oh, been... Yeah. X, like Ixalan and Ravnica, I guess, uh, re-return to Ravnica. Return to uh, return to Ravnica. Yeah, I have this entire deck basically built straight over copy-paste into Historic from when it was in Standard using very few wild cards. So, I mean, I do have that to jam on Arena if I'd like to, which I did enjoy it. But just looking at it right now, I mean, it's not getting me excited to turn on Arena, unfortunately. No, and that's my thing, too. Like, the only time I turn on Arena, it's when I dive deep into a limited form. Like I have been doing was I don't really ever do that with Standard. I wish I had, like, the want to do that. I would love to just do that and be happy, but that just doesn't scratch an itch for me. Yeah, I think you have to look at the metagame as well. Like, Standard metagame right now uh, obviously is pretty rough. uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) To say the least. Look at you, I mean, Master of Transitions. That's, I, we're going to fix that real quick. Or Wizards is going to fix that. Yeah. Did you hear about the announcement for the announcement? I can't even tell you how happy I am that we have not figured out what Wizards is going to do yet. Like, we just have no idea. Like, are they going to announce something? Are they going to announce an announcement for something? Are they just going to just drop it on our heads? Like, we don't fuck. We don't know. We don't We have no, no idea. But this time around, we did get the announcement for the announcement that Standard is in trouble. And it turns out Monday, we're going to get some shakeups. Yeah, I mean, I think Standard, I mean, I follow the metagame just a little bit. I mean, I browse uh, Goldfish, you know, I watch a little bit, bit on Twitch when I'm at work. Uh, shout out to watching Twitch at work for anyone that has the privilege to do that. But yeah, Standard and obviously, they definitely do do something. Looking at the metagame percentage, it uh, looks like four-color Omnath right now, according to Goldfish, is a whopping 33.6% of the metagame. Yeah, love that. Wow, Zer. That is uh, something. <laughs> yeah, you just don't you don't see stuff like that very often. I mean, actually, you do. Because we have I mean, just been seeing that recently with Standard, where every single set comes out, and there's some dumb, stupid thing that goes on that just needs instantly banned. 
Like we had it with Oko. We had it with a million different things. It started, I feel like back in Almond Cat, right? With the, uh, the uh, artifact that got you Ulamog. Oh, I'm not sure the name off the top of my head. I would definitely have to look that up. I can't up. remember what that what the hell it's called, but it, yeah, I got you Ulamog or I got you um Emrakul, the uh the second Emrakul from Shadows of Ranistrad. And then they banned Emrakul from Standard. And then ever since then, we've just been seeing hits to Standard. And I I can only presume it's from Power Creep, but people have just been like doing so much speculation, so much shit talking online about how like they can design cards better or like trying to get to the bottom of why all this is happening and powerful cards sell packs if we're going to be hundred percent on it. Yeah. And wizards, it's a business. So I understand they need to make money. Uh, while I don't necessarily agree, that's the healthiest thing for the game. They do need to make money. Uh, what are you going to do? I mean, we saw that with modern when horizons came around. I mean, that completely brutalized the metagame there. Once they figured out that Hogak was, uh, broken. Well, I mean, and if you're going to bring up the modern thing, too, we've seen that in other formats like Modern Horizons by itself, ru- like really fucked Legacy up and the the Planeswalkers from uh, uh, War of the Spark. That really put a hurting on Vintage, too. Like they had to ban the hero. Oh, that, yeah. that was such a disgusting card. So it's not like Power Creep is only affecting standard. It's affecting formats across the board. I think I don't remember who it was, but I saw something on Twitter recently that somebody did a data crunch on years of cards being printed and their play in legacy. And right now the most played year of cards in legacy is 2019. Yeah. I mean, how disgusting is that? Really wild to think about that. It just blows my mind. So who do you think is getting the ax come next Monday? I mean, Uro seems like an obvious target. He's incredibly strong. Or she. I'm not going to assume his gender. Uh, you just said I'm not going to assume his gender? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at 2019 still. <laughs> or 2020, I guess. Where I, either, either year, I'm pretty bad at it. Uh, <laughs> just every year since 2005, you've been just bad at it. I mean, I don't see a way. I mean, I don't see them banning Omneth, Locus of Creation, right out of the gate. I mean, he does, he is hard to play. He's four colors. I mean, we do have the Triumph Lands to make that easier, but you do have to build the deck around him. Oro just seems to be, you put it in the deck if you're playing blue and green, and he oh, does yeah, what he does. you just can't not do it. And that's just not, that's, again, not even in Standard. You just do that in Modern, you do that in Legacy, you do that in every format that you're playing blue and green, because... Uro's ability is just disgusting. I mean, the only deck I can see in the entire metagame right now, the uh, Team Your Adventures deck that doesn't play him. And even then... Like that deck... You, you could jam could him, right? Why Absolutely not? You could. Like, it's, that's just so gross. That every that the best deck in the format, and then the second best deck in the second format, and probably too. the third best deck in the format, are all playing the same cards. I do think that Omna is probably not long for this one yeah i mean they could definitely just take him out and then bring it back to where we were basically prior to uh zendikar see i don't even know if they're gonna do that i think what they're going to do is a little bit of both a little bit of column a a little bit of column b get rid of omnath and get rid of uro completely just shake the format off of its hinges and just see what happens like you still have very powerful cards especially in green like you still have Lotus Cobra. That card is dumb. Yes, it's very powerful, especially when you're trying to 
play more lands with Omnath and getting extra lands with Oro. Yeah, it, card it's is. just so good. Yeah, he definitely makes you mana every time you drop a land. Which I mean, like, I don't know how you're going to avoid this in the future. Because that's another thing, too. People are thinking, okay, like, we're just going to continue just having standard bannings, like, the week of release, of, like, full release? Is this just how we live our lives now? Or does this issue need fixed? I don't actually know the answer to that question. I mean, the metagame right now is obviously still a little wild uh, just because of rotation happening so recently and losing Ravnica and uh, War of the Spark and M20, I guess, as well. We yeah. A lot of... Fall rotation always feels like such a beating. You lose so many cards out of standard, which I guess is necessary for the format to survive, but it seems like the four-color Omnath deck is just way out of control already. Oh, I agree 100%. It's but and there but there's this argument against that too where you take that into consideration where this is a essentially a brand new format. At what point do you just like try to let it evolve? Will it evolve past Omnath or will Omnath just reign supreme? I don't I don't think anybody really knows that answer to that question. I think a lot of people are leaning towards the no, it'll never evolve past that, and that's why the bannings are gonna hit. But God, like, we've had it for a week. Yeah. Is the format solved already? I mean, I'd like to say no, but I I am very not an expert on standards, so I have no idea if it's solved or not. Oh, yeah, to preface this, like, you and I are both total fucking uh, and we don't play standard at all. So, like, we're just talking on a very just, like, base level. Like, we play Magic. We have been playing Magic for a while now, and this is what we're observing without any actual knowledge about the format like i've never i haven't played a game of standard against omnath i've only seen things and have heard things from people who do play this format a bunch and just drawing conclusions off that which you kind of have to because i don't want to spend my my time is valuable to me and i don't want to play standard with it yeah i mean you're not wrong but i think that's also like our our opinions aren't less valid because we don't play the format because if they do something that makes us want to play the format that's a net positive for wizards and i don't think you and i are the only two people in this category of human being no i think that's actually i would imagine it's a fairly large demographic of magic players that just it might not be the majority but i think you're right it's got to be a large piece of the pie i mean there's definitely a number out there that mark that wizards would have to consider targeting to like try and get those people into the standard i mean that's what sells packs you buy packs on arena then too like you buy packs yeah, on mpgo I mean, power level might have something to do with that, but it's not power level to the point where cards need axed so frequently. So, I, I mean, they could just be trying to find the foothold in between that fine line of like cards that are very, very powerful, but cards that aren't too, too powerful. I would hope that they find that line sooner rather than later. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of cards on the banned list right now for standard. Yeah, there are more cards banned in standard in the past year than the first 25 years of magic. Yeah, which is pretty insane. I mean, that's a pretty bad indictment against the play design team. If we're going to be 100% honest, they don't test modern. They don't test legacy. They don't test vintage. They only test standard and limited. The limited formats this year, I will give them, have been probably the best we've seen in the past like decade. Sure, in that past decade, we've had standout sets like Innistrad, Dominaria, stuff like that. But on the whole, I think the limited formats from today to a year ago today have been 
overwhelmingly more positive. Yeah, I would agree. But then you have standard where it's just a absolute shit show and everything is either figured out immediately or there's just a dominant deck that just everybody has to loom either on top of or under and they just just have to live with that until the rotation or until something's yeah. banned. Speaking of rotation, we actually lost a lot of cards off the band list to rotation. Because actually, I'm looking at Wizards' website right now, and it does not seem to be updated for rotation. Oh, well, I don't think they do. They update that or they just like leave that as is. I'm not sure. I mean, they're no longer in standard. Why would you keep them on That's the fair. band list, right? I mean, Wizards can't print cards that are of a reasonable power level, so why do you expect I mean, them to update their I mean, website? Three, three fairy, three fairies, no longer in standard yet. He's still on the standard band list. Yeah, so that's, that's I think it might have been I mean, just an oversight on Wizards, or they yeah. just like, they're just waiting until actual release date to do that. But oh, that, that's true. I don't think it actual release date has not happened yet, which is why it's yeah, not but changed. rotation has already happened. So. Uh, we're we're in a topsy turvy world where nothing matters. Well, does rotation not happen till it actually releases on paper? No, rotation has already occurred. Oh, and, and I think that that's case... largely because we are in a world where digital magic is the I only thing that matters. Yeah. Because paper magic doesn't exist. There. Like they're not going to make decisions based on unicorns because uh, unicorns aren't there, and the unicorn in question is paper magic the gathering. Yeah, right now. But yeah, um. Back to the announcement for the announcement. I guess they're going to, I guess that's their way of giving the people an answer to the already mess that is going to be uh, the event this weekend. That seems yeah. to be uh, of the standard variety. Yeah, they got to at least give the people something. I mean, is this enough? I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not the arbiter on that. It has just caused so much mess among magic folk that it's just a ubiquitously part of the conversation. Yeah. And I kind of want to say that maybe at this point, because bannings are so commonplace that people are just more willing to jump to that conclusion sooner rather than later. like, could you remember back in the day? Like this was right when we started like really digging deep into modern. We had like two big hits with splinter twin and birthing pod. Yeah. That and those definitely... were like, fucking doors blown off like everybody was so shocked now you mention a banning in magic and people were just like oh yeah you mean like the one two weeks ago it's just yeah. so commonplace now yeah it's definitely taken a turn there because you didn't unless things absolutely got extremely degenerate nothing was ever done again like, in splinter twin just what it was the reasoning it just they wanted to diversify the metagame at that point was that yeah and even then, I mean, yeah, it was a large portion of the metagame, and it wasn't... I mean, it did feel bad when you lost on turn four, but, I mean, that was slow for Modern at that yeah. time. And it wasn't as big of a part of the meta as, like, Euro and Omnath are right now in Standard. So I don't know what is the catalyst to this. Whether it, it is the power creep, or it is the Magic players are jumping to bands sooner than they would in previous years of magic it's probably a delightful concoction of both but i think one reason for that is now that there's so much magic being played online a lot of people are playing i mean you only had the large events i mean you obviously had mtgo back then like when splinter twin was a thing but you don't have uh those big events were like when you saw how powerful decks really were nowadays. You can yeah, just, like GPs and Pro Tours and shit. You just look at Arena and you see like 
the obvious massive crushing metagame that is four color Omnath right now. That's actually something I wasn't even thinking. That's a really, really good point about how before the largest portion of data we would get was every weekend when there was an SEG or a GP or something like that. And obviously you didn't get a modern GP every weekend. You didn't get a standard GP every weekend. So there was at least some space there. There was some room to breathe. Now, the only place where data can be surmised from is the digital realm. And there's so much more magic being played now than back then. Is that, that has to be a factor, right? Yeah, it, it definitely can't not a factor. Because you think about the the amount of magic that's being played in a week compared to now versus a decade ago, it has to be, I don't know, 300% more, 500% more, maybe north of that. Yeah, it has to be a large percentage increase. I mean, magic's only gotten extremely more popular, and in that a lot of that's obvious commander, but that's still people always. I mean, even arena formats, and arena coming out too. I mean, we always had duels of the planeswalkers and those kind of games, and they were fun. But like, obviously, they needed to break away from moto a little bit and get people on a client that looked good and played well with arena, and it and obviously played with is, other people well too. That's a big yeah, thing. yeah. Which I still think there's an argument for that. I mean, it is difficult, or at least back at Arena's inception, it was not exactly easy to play against a friend. I mean, it wasn't no, difficult. No, we have but that now, which is nice. And definitely need. Oh, absolutely. So, final verdict, what do you think is going to be hit by the BNR on Monday? Final verdict, uh, Omnath is too new. I think there's a world we can have him in the format where he isn't uh, busted completely. So I, I, my bet is going to be Uro. I mean, there's, I can't think of another target personally. All right, I can respect that. I think that Omnath is 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 big enough of a problem that we are going to see a chop to both Uro and Omnath. I think both of them are just out the door. Uro probably a little bit too late for that because its damage has already been pretty done. But it's better to do it than to not do it. And I think Omnath is just like Omnath is just so so. Yeah, Omnath is very strong, which I don't. I think without Uro, he becomes. Omnath in gets line, worse. Though. Omnath does get worse, but I don't. I still think a worse Omnath is still a too good Omnath. You think you think he'll be too good even with Uro out of the out of the picture? I I, I genuinely do. Again, not super big into standard, but from what I've seen, that card is still gross. And it still has so much great support. Like, it still has Lotus Cobra. It still has that Scoop Mob re- redo. Scoop Mob 2, Electric Boogaloo. Which, also, people were calling for that to be banned. Because those were the four cards that I think people were really talking about being banned. Was Scoop Mob 2, Electric Boogaloo, uh, Mana Snake, Uro, Omnath. Scoop Mob 2, Electric Boogaloo was getting called because it's crashing arena. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't... They could just take it out of the game temporarily. Or just, you know, arenas fix the issue. fucking thing. Yeah, take it out just until they fix the problem. I mean, I don't code by any means, so that could be a massive undertaking. Or it could just be something that needs to be done, you know? Wizards just needs to get on top of it. I don't know. But crashing the game is obviously super unpleasant and unfun for a lot of people. Especially... Yeah, I'm, I'm just... Well, I'm whatever on this at this point. I would agree. I mean, it's not going to affect my life in any way. Uh, no, but it's fun to bitch about. Way. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely fun to speculate. I mean, Wizards gives us stuff all the time, but like, you know, moving on to the next thing and being excited about it isn't necessarily a bad thing either. No, like I have got my after this announcement 
full blinders on to standard because then I don't have to worry about it unless something else comes up, which I doubt it. It's full blinders until Commander Legends comes out. Like that that said, I'm very excited. So like, let's get all this negativity out of the way and then move forward to a set that is, I'm hoping, going to be sweet and doesn't really have any implications to standard so people won't be complaining. If something comes out in this fucking set that ruins Legacy, I am going to fucking throw myself from the nearest bridge. (laughs) That's that's where I'm at with this. (laughs) I don't foresee that occurring. However, I mean, we, we already know that Wizards does not care basically at all about Vintage and Legacy at this point. I mean, there's next to no support from them. And they just let it do its thing. That's kind of what I'm scared of, though. So, I mean, there is... Back to, like, the 2019 is the year of cards that are being played in Legacy the most. If they continue that train, it's just going to be fucking just 2020-plus dual lands in Legacy. And they're not printing very many good Death and Taxes cards in that. And I hate that shit so much. Yeah, I would like to see newer uh, Death and Taxes cards come out. I mean, they obviously can't go too crazy with it but you know every so while throw you a bone i know zendikar uh gave you a little bit of spice with that uh, i believe it's an archon oh actually uh, this is going to be my i want to make this very very clear to the uh the world at large i was so wrong i made a snarky tweet about skyclave uh apparition the three mana one two black for a two two when it enters the battlefield exile up to one target non-land non-token permanent you don't control with convert mana cost four or less and then when skyclave apprentice leaves the battlefield uh that permanent controller creates an xx illusion where x is the converted mana cost of the exiled card i made a snarky tweet about that card not being good enough um that card is now in the current state of legacy is a three oven death and taxes (laughs) so i was so goddamn wrong I can definitely see why. I mean, it's good. I mean, I know you mentioned on the podcast last week about the three-drop slot being extremely tight in Death and Taxes. It's cool. Uh, so, so Archon of Ameria, obviously, maybe a sideboard contender. I mean, it, it might be worth picking up a couple of copies to have on hand if you would need them, but the Skyclave Apparition. Uh, yeah, Skyclave Apparition is just seeing so much play because of the other decks in the format right now. It hits... Almost every single planeswalker and every single creature that is coming out of the two most played decks, which is like the Snoko pile and then Teamer Delver, it hits all of them. So it's just effectively a three mana removal spell that you can also just get weird with, with like Flicker Wisp and shit like that. Yeah, you can. It just doesn't really feel, feels, does not feel as good giving them an illusion, but. I mean, but in a deck that you're so well-equipped to deal with the creature interaction. That's true, yeah. Like a fucking just straight-up 3-3, you're fine with dealing with. And it's a blue thing. If you have Sophie on the battlefield, that just means nothing to you. Nothing at that point. It means actual factual nothing. So yeah, I was wrong. Um, And the better players of Death and Taxes have have proved that to me. So shout out to uh, people that aren't me who play Death and Taxes. Oh, I'm glad it... Yeah, I'm looking at a a 5-2 Legacy Champs deck right here that has three copies of it. Yep, is it XJ Cloud's list? Yes. Yep, he... Yep, that was the one that I was looking at like, oh, fuck, yeah. Because that guy 
is so goddamn good. I believe his name is Ryan. He's he's very funny on Twitter uh, because he just like just shoots very straight arrows and he does not piss around. And he's also in the I think he's one of the moderators. No, he might be one of the creators of the Death and Taxes Discord, which I I lurk very heavily on. Yeah, I like I like to lurk in the Dredge Discord from time to time. Yeah, fuck yeah. So shout out to Legacy Discord. Shout out to XJ Cloud. And uh, shout out to uh, Skyclave Apparition for uh, proving me wrong, making me look like a fucking moron. Yeah, you you love to see a new card that can slot into your deck do well. I mean, 5-2 is a good finish, especially for a, a Legacy Champs, so it's pretty sweet. Oh, especially with Death and Taxes? I mean, that yeah. guy's also like much better at playing the deck than I am, which I consider myself like good at playing the deck. He's light years ahead. He sees lines that I couldn't even see. And he'll see them in his sleep. It's fucked. Guy's so good. Yeah. Shout outs to him. Keep rocking. Keep jamming death and taxes. That's. Yeah. Please, for the love of God, somebody make that deck good. Because I'm obviously not the guy to do it. (laughs) Hey, that's all right. As long as you're having fun. Yeah. I cannot wait until we have. uh, Obviously, we're not going to be having any big legacy events this year in paper. But hopefully next year that uh, changes. Because I would like to get out there and play a little bit. Oh, we're calling 2021 the year of Commander. Uh, or no, 2020 is the year of the Commander. We're calling 2021 the year of Legacy. I'm calling it right now. It's making a comeback in a big, big... I hope so. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Probably not. But, you know, wishful thinking. Right, listen, I'll keep my fingers crossed as you do. So right, dude, well, I, I, I have one more thing that I want to ask. Because now that we covered, off. Now that we covered a little bit of Limited from Zenokar Rising... We covered some of the constructed aspects of Zendikar Rising. I've asked almost everybody that I've talked about this question, at least on the podcast, but I want you to give me the rating 1 to 10. How do you feel about this set right now? All things considered. All things considered. I mean, obviously, I don't care about standards. So putting that aside, I mean, I I like this set a lot. I'm excited to see what some cards slide into other metagames, such as Modern Legacy. I mean, I don't really follow Pioneer much, but hopefully that format succeeds at some point. Uh, but the limited format is super fun. I'm hoping to actually actually fired up Arena to attempt to fire off a draft prior to this. I didn't get to it, but I'm excited to do some drafts. Hell yeah. Which, at the end of the day, with a new set, you want to draft it. And it's incredibly fun so far. Plus, it's always a good opportunity to get online and talk to, the, talk to, the, talk to you gentlemen and play some Magic, which I always enjoy. The idiots. Yeah, get together with the homies. Yeah, when we're not playing Wood Nickel Gang, we should be drafting Zendikar. Hell yeah. I mean, that's probably what I'm going to do after we get done recording, is probably edit this on one screen and then draft on the other screen and then uh, see what happens. I'm extremely sad I have to go to work after this or I'll join you for a draft. Rookie maneuver. (laughs) So yeah, give me your scale on 1 to 10. What do you got? 1 to 10. I need a number. Well, can I have a reference? Like, what is a 10 set? I mean, a 10 would be, like, the greatest set of all time. A 10 would be, like, Innistrad. Okay, so 10 being Innistrad, if you consider it a 10, and a 1 being Dragon's Maze? Um, yeah, Dragon's Maze are, like, Homelands. I don't know too terribly much about Homelands, other than that it's been notoriously shit on since its inception, so... (laughs) Uh, given my somewhat limited experience of it, I'm gonna give it a solid... I want to give it a 7. It definitely passes, and I definitely feel it's gonna remain a strong set. As All right, far as I can limited. Get that with that. I think before I got to actually play the set, I was giving it a six and a half. And now that I've actually played it, I'm sitting right there with you. I'm going to give it a 7.3. Yeah, I'm, 
I, if I were to judge this prior to playing it, I'm always pretty skeptical about any new set, and I would, and I would be pretty harsh on a rating. I would probably put it in the five realm, but that's, but I feel like that's kind of where a lot of sets lie for me before I actually get to play them. Yeah, I, try I agree keep, with that. Try to keep expectations low nowadays, especially when yeah, because then so... when something comes out, you're like, <laughs> your dick's blown off. <laughs> Which always feels good. There's nothing like getting your dick blown. No, there really is not. That is a, uh, a sensation that you should cherish. Especially when it gets blown off. <laughs> Fucking perfect. Well, dude, is there anything else you got? I don't even know. How long have we been going now? We've been here for a while? Yeah, we've been here for a minute. All right. So I guess we have enough juice. I guess you could probably just let this rip at some point, right? Oh, yeah. There's one more thing that we got to cover here. What is that? Are we going to play a game? Oh, motherfucker, you are so right. We are playing a game this week. And Austin, are you familiar with this game? Uh, I believe it's called Accumulated Knowledge. Oh my god, you're so smart. I'm so glad you're paying attention. Yeah, it is called Accumulated Knowledge. Austin, do you know how this game works? I unfortunately have heard it played many, many times. And I've one thing about coming on the podcast, I've always been just like, holy shit, I'm going to be so terrible at accumulated knowledge <laughs> oh that's my favorite thing in the entire world is when somebody's just like dreading this shit <laughs> so i am definitely gonna speculate here that how many rounds are we doing is it four five five and you have to get you're gonna have to get three out of five. three to get the shout out so yes uh i definitely don't expect myself to get three i'm really just hoping i can at least have one Okay, I like your, again, just like your perspective on sets, you're shooting very low so that when you exceed that, your dick's blown off. I mean, this could be the podcast that completely falls off your entire listener base, or it could be the podcast that sends you into the stratosphere. Uh, <laughs> it's it, somewhere it really in between is, that, probably. It's really a toss. It's really a toss-up. Flip of a coin. <laughs> <laughs> but for anybody out there who is not familiar with the game that we are speaking of, it is, like Austin said, accumulated knowledge. In this game, I go to the Scryfall website and I hit the random card button. A random card pops up and I'm going to ask Austin the name of that card. He has to give me the mana cost of that card. If he gets it right, he gets a point. And if he gets it wrong, oh boy, he never gets to dredge another card ever again. Uh, that, that's actually, that's a, that would be bad. Pretty harsh punishment, I know. But Austin, you have to, like I mentioned, you have to get three out of five. I'm going to give you two hints. Are you ready for your first card? Oh, yes, I am ready. Fire it off. Oh, this one is a iconic card. It is Brass Man. I might get it. Brass Man. Oh, yeah. All right. Can just for the crowd, um, would you be able to remind me of my uh, my hints and how I how many I have? Oh, yeah, sure. You have again, you have two hints. And you can get uh, the type of card, whether it's like a creature, instant, sorcery, etc. You can get the ability on the card. So you can, I, I will read you the text box. Uh, you can get, if it's a creature, if you think it's a creature, I'll give you the power and toughness if you'd like. Uh, if you really think you got it, you can ask for the flavor text. I'd be happy to give you that. Pretty much anything on the card. Fuck, if, I mean, if you have the card and you want me to describe the art, anything on the card besides the mana cost i'd be happy to get uh, okay is that include the artist yeah i can give you the artist okay i don't want the artist in this particular point uh because i'm fairly certain with almost 100 percent certainty that i have no idea 
<laughs> what this card is. Uh, so it being a man and also brass, it could be a human, it could be an artifact creature, it could be literally anything. Uh, even a boat. Uh, I don't think it's a boat, though. Uh, so brass man, I don't know, and I don't think it's worth using one of my hints on, because I'm going to assume it's an old card that I would not know even if he told me the text. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely a creature. It's a man, so it's it's a creature. But I'm going to go with that it's definitely an artifact because it's brass. I'm going to call it two colorless mana. Final Who answer. Colorless? Is that your final answer? Yeah, that's going to be my final answer because I have no idea. <laughs> Austin, Brassman is one colorless mana. <sighs> oh, man. Brassman is originally printed, I believe, in Arabian Nights. Yes. And oh, okay. So I was supposed to know that. No, this card is a pile. <laughs> it is so bad. It is one colorless mana for an artifact creature construct. Uh, Brassman does not untap during your untap step. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you may pay one mana. If you do, untap Brassman. It's a 1-3. One three for one. Yeah. You have it's to a, pay more for. It's a blocker, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That and was a cost... pretty rough start. Yeah, that's um I was not getting that one. Uh well, has it been printed in any recent time? Uh I'm no, assuming I don't not. Think I'm assuming so. not. Yeah. I think the last printing was like fifth edition. Okay, so yeah, I was not getting that. That yeah, is not a chance. But if it I makes basically... you feel any better. <laughs> Your next one, you're definitely going to get. Oh, boy. That's exciting. Yeah. Your next one is Terminate. Can I get the uh, Herman Mate? Terminate. Oh, Terminate. Yes. Oh, well, that's an easy one. How did you Scryfall on the Terminate? That is uh, Listen, destroy target creature. Listen, it's the gods of Scryfall. Uh, I don't know when it was originally printed, but uh, it's definitely destroy target creature with uh, some other text on there. But it is a red and a black because... Why do I know this card so well? It might have, I might have had it. Jund. Well, definitely for Jund, but I feel like back whenever we played Magic prior to me knowing anything, I feel like I had copies of it from somewhere. Oh, maybe. And I don't know, and I don't know why, because one of my first jank decks that I had thrown together was Rakdos. Oh, I don't, I don't know if you had like the original, you probably had the, uh. Oh, I'm assuming it was some sort of reprint. You probably had the Alara block version of it. But yeah, you were 100% right. It's a black and a red. It's an instant that says destroy target creature. It cannot be regenerated. Excellent. Oh, it cannot be regenerated. Okay, that's good to know in case yes. I ever get terminated. Well, <laughs> I got one. I got one, ladies and gentlemen. That's a lucky scryful roll. Well, your next one is not quite as easy. I hate to oh, break it to you. Of course not. Why would it be? Uh, your next one is Frazzle. Frazzle. I promise you this is not an unset card. <laughs> It sounds fake. It does. I know. That's why. That's why I said it's not an onset card. Well, uh, guess this is number three. So I guess I should use a, a hint at this point, right? Um, I mean, you can. I uh don't recommend it. No. I have been giving out recommend recommendations. I think you're almost better off just using your la your hints on your two last cards because this last one's cards. a weird one. This one is a weird one. Okay, uh, frazzle. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to guess. I mean, I have honestly no clue. Awesome. Um, the chant was interrupted. The components cooked. And Zoke worried that it was his brain he smelled smoking. I'm assuming that's the flavor text. That is the flavor text of Frazzle. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so what's a common converted mana cost? Uh, I don't even know what color it is. Uh, let's go with, uh, maybe it's, maybe it's red. 
frazzle maybe maybe it's red let's go with two and a red two and a red is that your final answer I mean, yeah, I'm just pissing into the wind here. <laughs> well, uh, you kind of pissed on yourself a little bit because it is three and a blue. Yikes. Yeah, All right, it, what's is an, it is an instant speed spell. It says counter target non-blue spell. For four mana. For four mana, yes. That's so bad. That's why I don't know it. Yep. It is from Guild Pack. Hey. It has never been printed again. I mean, there's a reason why it's never been printed again. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Well, wow. okay, now this is when shit starts getting real. Yeah, because I have to get both of these. You do. Are you ready for your next one? Whenever you are, bud. It is Storm Herald. Storm Herald. Oh, boy. Um, So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I don't know this one off the top of my head. Uh, and I'm definitely going to take a hint. All right, what would you like as the hint? Uh, Can I have... Well, I'm assuming it's a creature, and its power and toughness is probably not going to help me. Does if would you be able to give me any relevant text on the card? Yes, I will tell you that Storm Herald has haste, and it says whenever oh. Storm Herald enters the battlefield, return any number of aura cards from your graveyard to the battlefield attached to creatures you control. Exile those auras at the beginning of your next end step. If those auras would leave the battlefield, exile them instead of putting them anywhere. Else. Okay. Um, this seems recent. So it's definitely red because it has haste. So I definitely know that. And I know it's a, hu and I know it's a creature at this point. Storm Herald aura cards. Oh, yeah, this man. one's a funky, this one's a funky boy. That was a lot of text. It really is. It must be, it must be like a, mythic or rare that i just don't know about seems really powerful though it's I mean, not bad yeah you're playing a lot of but if it is red which i'm assuming it is because it has haste auras in red that seems more like all that aura talk seems like a white card Ooh. but my brain my brain definitely wants me to say it's red because it has haste oh that's a lot of text i'd imagine that costs i mean it only lasts for one turn right because you're exiling them at the Correct. end of the turn? Yep. They are there for a turn, and then they're gone. Okay. And auras you specifically have to attach to creatures, correct? Absolutely, yes. So, I mean, maybe it doesn't cost too much. I'd imagine it's somewhere in the realm of, like, four or five, right? Uh, I have no idea, because it's a creature as well, because it's entering the battlefield. Uh, So it could be. Maybe it's, like, a 1-1 one -one with a really good ability for cheap. Let's go with three colorless, and he's definitely a red. Three colorless and a red. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Austin. Did I it get it? Two and a red. Fucking A. You're so close. How do you, how do you spell Harold? E-R-A-L-D. Okay. Let me, let it me is just a rare from Theros Beyond Death. It is a 3-2 with all of that ability for two and, and has, a red. And it has haste. Yeah, it has haste, which is, I mean, it kind of has to, right? Because if you have no other creatures when you cast that, you can at least just jam Do everything on, on top that. of him. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It would be really, really bad if you did, if someone like removed one of the other creatures and you couldn't use him. Yeah. Well, I that was that was kind of a tough one. Your next one, though, your very last card. It doesn't matter, but it's pride. Points. It doesn't matter, but I'm going to try and get it. I think you'll get this one for sure. That's a lot of a lot of. Uh... I got confidence in you, but you know, it is deafening clarion. Oh, that is uh, definitely three CMC. Do I have to guess the uh, like the actual colors? 
Oh fuck yeah, they, yeah. We're no slouches here. You have oh, to give me the co- you have to give me the real mana cost of the card. Yeah, definite clarion. I know for sure. It's one colorless, a red, and a white, and That's it is fun. a. I know it brass. It doesn't wrath the board, but I know it deals damage to everything. And then I know it definitely has another ability on it that is pretty useless because I've seen it. It was played in a lot of control shells. It's uh, out of the new Ravnica set. It is I'm glad I got this one. Yeah, there only, you go. I only needed a card from 2019 to get this. Or 20, <laughs> 2018, actually, I think. Yeah, fall of 2018. Yep. I, feel, I feel a little better now. You I got two. It. Yeah, it is almost exactly what you said. It is one, a red and a white. Sorcery, you can choose one or both. Either deal three damage to each creature or creatures you control gain lifelink until the end of turn. Yeah, definitely didn't have never saw it. I mean, you can give your creatures lifelink because can you do you can do both, correct? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, giving your creatures lifelink seems really good after you destroy everything on their side of the board. Yo, yeah, you just wipe their board and then just gain a little bit of life and deal some damage. So that feels good. Bad. Yeah, good card. Actually, I remember that card specifically because I was like, maybe this card isn't. Maybe this card's pretty bad. Turns out it actually was pretty good. No, that card was really solid. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, you finished two and three, which I think is is pretty respectable. I feel like it's definitely something. Yeah, it's it's better than nothing. 100% better than nothing. And it's one better than I expected. I think... Again, exceeding expectations. Blowing yeah. your own dick off. <laughs> it's nothing like, blo- <laughs> nothing like blowing your own... <laughs> well, dude, I normally make it you have to win the game to get the shout out. But I've been feeling real generous these past couple episodes with all these guests we've been having. So I'm going to give you the shout out regardless. Okay. You're going to give me the shout out regardless. Yeah. So enjoy. I am going to shout out a uh, MTG content creator on. He's on the YouTubes, obviously. Um, I think he does delve a little bit into streaming nowadays. But he is actually one of the reasons why I got into Merfolk in Modern. Ooh. Uh, yeah, his he was grinding Merfolk. I mean, he's been grinding Merfolk for at least like 10, 12 years now. Oh, if he's the guy uh, that I think you're talking about, it has been every bit of a decade. This guy has just been jamming yeah. Merfolk in all formats. Yes, uh, his name is uh, Nikachu. Uh, yep. and his YouTube is Nikachu MTG. Currently has 13.7 thousand subscribers. That ain't no slouch. No, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, he does a lot of a lot of different content like he just kind of assesses the meta game different things like that you know but does obviously still play lots of uh lots of merfolk content for people out there uh and with the uh with the uh, new set uh out with merfolk in it maybe there's a new one i don't think there is but you never know but he always usually some new merfolk comes out he finds a way to jam it in a deck and just go which is super sick yeah, unfortunately, there's, uh, I believe there's only a couple of Merfolk in the new set. Uh, I don't think they're very good, especially in the modern format. No, not but, at all. But that's most regardless. Of them, most of them are kickers. But yeah, definitely a good shout out. Make some really good content. Uh, but, and also shout out, there is one Merfolk that I know, I believe he mentioned at one point that might see some play. And that is uh, the Thieving Skydiver. But I'll let that up to your imagination, because that is my shout out for. Oh, yeah. Merfolk, just in general. Shout out. Yeah. Anyone that's still jamming Merfolk, uh, you can tweet at. Um, I don't know if you know this, everyone, but the Fetch and Shock podcast has a Twitter account. Uh, I believe <laughs> it is 
fetch underscore shock. Oh, dude, you're just going to take care of it all day. I love that shit. I mean, I, I try at least a little bit. But if you do uh, want to reach out to anyone on the Fetch and Shock podcast and talk about your merfolk endeavors, uh, would you be able to tell them the Twitter, Tyler? Yeah, if you want to do it to Fetch and Shock in general, which I will definitely forward on to Austin, you can do that at Fetch underscore shock. If you hate merfolk and you hate spreading seeds, you can find me on Twitter at basic land bin and we can talk shit together. Um, and then if you want to join in the conversation with a bunch of people that have some feelings towards merfolk, uh, you can find that on the fetch and shock discord. That link is in the description of this episode and in our Twitter. And also this is something that I would like to announce. We talked about this in the episode about how much we love this limited format. If you want to play this limited format with, everybody from the Fetch and Shock Discord, we are having another post-release pre-release. And we are going to do it on Friday, the 9th of October. So we're going to do it like an F&M style. In the evening, everybody can just like come, hang out, do a little Friday night magic. We're going to be playing some Zendikar Sealed. So all you have to do is just buy six packs and have the lands to build your deck. You show up, we all jump into the Discord it was a blast last time. So if you're wanting to join that, jump to the Discord, join in. We'll definitely have a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. I hope I'm off work. Well, yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. If not, I'm giving away my shift. All right, dude. Wait, do you have do you have a Twitter that you want to shout out? I don't think you actually use Twitter, do you? I don't use it much. It's basically just a uh, vector for memes at this point. That's uh, fair. But I mean, which... you are on the Fetch and Junk Discord. I... I am on the Fetch and Shock Discord, so if you do want to talk to me on the Fetch and Shock Discord, you'll be able to find me in a member there. All right, dude, that was I, a hell of an episode. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we covered quite a bit there, and I covered a lot of ground. To, yeah, I feel like I didn't completely blow it. Hopefully, everyone doesn't hate it. No, now since I have completed my Voltron of honkies that play magic, your, your Exodia, we have to do the full Exodia cast of. You, Rupert, Zach, and myself. I would definitely be a part of that. That will be quite a fucking episode. God damn. Yeah, it would be. Uh, but I appreciate you having me on this week. Yeah, thanks uh, for coming on. Dude. Hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Hopefully I had some nice segues there. Hopefully, no, you uh, did. Either. You slid into it pretty well. Yeah, I feel like I've listened to, you know, how many episodes is this now? Is this like 60 something? I think this will be like 66 or something like 66? that. Don't quote me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote us on anything we said tonight. No, absolutely not. Just the it, least quotable podcast on the planet. It, it didn't happen. <laughs> unless, you're blow, <laughs> unless you're blowing your own dick off. Yeah. Yeah. Only quote us if you're blowing your dick off. Tweet at us when you do it. So we're fully aware. <laughs> and if you do make it a video, it has to be on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Fetch <laughs> underscore shock. Hashtag blowing your own dick off. <laughs> And this will be ep <laughs> this will be episode sixty seven for the ladies and gentlemen at home counting. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, we should have waited the blowing the dick off part for episode sixty nine, but whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we always come early, so. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Okay, we're done now. See you later, nerd. See you. <laughs>